Thank you for tuning in to the Springs Church Podcast. Here, you'll find messages that are powerful, inspiring, but most importantly, straight from the Word of God. If you're located near Tacoa, Georgia, or in Tacoa, Georgia, we'd love to see you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Enjoy today's message, and remember, we love you, Tacoa. Alright, let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, and it's also going to be on the screen, um, we're going to be in Psalms 138, uh, verses 1 and 2. Psalms 138, verse 1 and 2. Alright, and it reads like this. You guys ready? Alright, it says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with, all, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. You have exalted above all things your name and your word. Father, again, I just thank you, Lord. We welcome you in this place. Lord, let your word fall on good soil today. God, we are open. We are receptive. God, we are ready for your word. And again, I bind every heaviness, every attack of the enemy right now. We bind you in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. You have exalted above all things your name and your word. That's such a powerful statement. Um, I remember reading this and... Um, Honestly, this was probably over a year ago. I read this, and it just captured my attention. And, and for over a year, I've been like, okay, like I'm enamored with this concept. It says, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And so I've been wanting to like study this for a while. And finally, um, I was like, all right, I need to do this. Um, the, the, the last few weeks has been really on my heart. And so I was encouraged to really pursue this. And so I want to look at a couple of things. Name. Name and your word. Your name and your word. The name of God. You know, we read all, in, all throughout Scripture. There's, there's, there's places where it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Right? The righteous run into it and are saved. Right? Things like that. The name of God represents his presence his power, his character, his glory, his majesty, his magnificence, his splendor. That's the name of God. Anytime you see the name of God, you can, you can look to see his glory. You can look to see his power, his presence, because that's where he is. That's where he is. Wherever his name is, that's where he is. That's logical, right? I'm Follick. Where's Follick? Right here. If you call me, I'm going to hear you. I'm right here, right? If I'm not, like, I'm not over at Walmart, if you go to Walmart and you call my name, I'm not going to be there right now, right? Because I'm right here. Where the name of God is, that's where his presence is. That's where his presence is. And that's so encouraging because the Bible says that those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, he says, call to me and I will answer. Call to me and I will respond. Call to me and I'm going to show up right where you are. This is practical stuff because sometimes like, we get in situations and it's like we call on everything else and everyone else but Jesus. 
We call on everyone else, but, but getting on our knees and saying, Lord, help me. Amen. Where his name is, that's where his presence is. That's where his power is. So he says, your name and your word. Well, the word, the word of God, it represents, it's a decree, it's authority, law, instruction, it's life. The word of God. The word of God, right? We have the written word right here, right? It's a book of instructions. What's the acronym? Book, um, basic instructions before leaving earth? Okay. It's a decree. This is the authority. This is the law of God. So he says, I have exalted above all things my name and my word. But where, where, where is this originating from? And so Psalms, 30, Psalms 138 verse 2 is actually referenced by 1 Kings 8.28. Dre, I think we have that. So David wrote Psalms 138, right? So David has this revelation that God has exalted above all things his name and his word. So in 1 Kings, you have Solomon. This is David's son. David's son. So Solomon... After he became king, the Bible says that, you know, David wanted to build the temple of God. But the Lord said, no, you're not going to do it. Your son Solomon is going to do it. So after Solomon builds the temple, he gathers all the resources and he gets everything set. And this is a majestic, like, it's like the wonder of the world, you know. And so he's praying. And he says in verse 28, it says, yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day towards this house, the place which you have said, my name shall be there. The place that you have said, my name shall be there. That you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place. And listen to the plea of your servant and your people Israel when they pray towards this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So Solomon is praying to the Lord. He said, Lord, you said that this temple is where your name is going to dwell. I want you to pay attention closely because Solomon understands, okay, Lord, this is where your name is. And so what is Solomon attaching to this? He's saying, prayer, Lord, because your name is established here, hear me when I pray. Because your name is established here, hear me when I cry out to you. Because your name is established here, listen to the plea, listen to the petitions of your people. And Lord, when you hear, please forgive. Please forgive. Please forgive. So can I maybe submit to you that it's an act of prayer every time we call on the name of the Lord. It's an act of prayer. It's because we are, we are putting ourselves in a position where we understand, okay, we depend on his presence. Usually if you call somebody, it's because you are depending on them for, for something. Like my girls, I love my girls. I always use my girls as an example. And I've been challenged lately because my girls love to talk. <laughs> the older they get. And I've, I've, I've had to learn, like the Lord has been like trying me on being patient. Because literally, um, like the other day, it was like, um, Amani would call me, Dad, 
I need this. And so I'll, I'll do it. Then I'll go sit down. You know how you sit down and you think you're done with a task? Um, husbands, y'all know what I'm talking about right now. You know, you go sit down and then the moment you sit down, it's like a radar goes off in your wife's mind and it's like, I need you to do something. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you ask me to do that when I was up? <laughs> right? And so Amani keeps calling me. He keep, she keeps calling me. She keeps calling me, dad, 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 dad. But it's because she needs something from me. She's depending on me for something. And that's why we call on the name of God. Solomon is saying, Lord, you promise that you're establishing your name. This temple is a representation of your name. And so because you are establishing yourself here, Lord, hear us when we call you, when we pray to you, when we humble ourselves and seek you. Well, let's go back even further. Because this is referenced from Deuteronomy 12.11. This is where it originated. It says... So this is um, God speaking to Moses. It says, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I commend you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, tithes, contributions that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. So God, is, God has already established the promise. The promise is his word. The promise is his word. He spoke it, and he's saying this is going to come to pass because my name is going to be established right here at this temple. The temple of God was synonymous with the name of God. It represented the name of God. It was a place of authority. It was a place of rulership. Decrees were set from the temple. And anytime a decree is set, it has to be executed by law, right? Anytime the, the, the king made an edict, it became permanent. And anyone who dared to challenge it suffered the consequences because it was authority. It was authority. If there was no temple, then every decree or law spoken could not be upheld, could not be supported, could not be backed up. So God is saying, this temple represents my name. And I'm speaking. And so because, because I'm speaking, you can, you, you can, you can uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, um, it's like my name is backing up my word. Every, everything that I speak, everything that I speak is hinged on who I am. It's hinged on my name. Like whenever, whenever the White House signs something into law, right? Like you, can, like, you can say, you can hear chatter. Oh, like they just passed this law and some people don't believe it's true. But the moment you see the official signature of the president, you know it's, it's, you know it's real. You know it's not something fake. Right? You know it's not something fake. The name of God. The name of God. God, God he's, he's establishing his name. He's establishing his name. The temple was, if, if you remember, when, after Solomon built the temple, like the Bible says that so many people from around the world came to view the temple. They were in awe. They were in awe. It was the most beautiful thing they had ever seen. The most beautiful thing. Because God's name is beautiful. God wanted to display his name. He wanted to display his character, his power, his presence. See, the, the awesome thing is Moses had a personal encounter with this amazing God, where the Lord established his name with Moses. Look with me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. 
God called, God called Moses to deliver his people. So, you know, Moses, he sees the burning bush, and he's like, that is so cool. And God calls out to him. And so Moses um, turns and walks towards, and God says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And so he says, hey, I want you to deliver my people. I want you to deliver my people. Then Moses asks this question. Moses says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. The Lord called Moses and he spoke a promise. He spoke his word. He said, my people are going to be set free. I need you to set my people free. But Moses was like, hold up. All right, how am I gonna how am I gonna prove this? Like, how am I gonna back this up? What am I gonna say to them? What name should I use that's gonna vouch the proof of this authority that I have coming to these people to say, hey, God is setting you free? If you remember Moses previously, when he was in it, when he was in Egypt, he rose up like he saw one of the Egyptian uh, masters beating the slave, and so he killed the guy, right? And so he comes back later, and then, and then he sees his brothers fighting, and he's, and he's saying, hey, like, why are y'all fighting? And then they ask this question, like, who made you ruler and governor over us? Who gave you authority? Who gave you the ability to speak and tell us what to do? And so Moses ran away. Well, the second time Moses comes back, he's saying, okay, I don't want this situation to happen again. Lord, I need something tangible. I need a sign of authority. Like, who, who am I going to say give, gave me the authority to declare this? And this, is, this can be applied to us because we face so many problems. We face so many problems. And instead of coming in the authority of God, we like to come in the authority of something else. You know, like we like to come in the authority of the opinion of others. You know, when we're facing, you know, some of us got issues with our kids. And so, you know, you know, the last thing that we do is we seek God. And we want to go seek, you know, not saying that the self-help books and all that stuff aren't, aren't valuable. But it's like we look to other sources of authority that can't really back up, that can't really, that can't really help. Moses is saying, Lord, if you're telling me to do this, I need you to back me up. I need what name, what name, what name am I going to tell them? We've, addressed, we've tried to address our issues far too long using a different authority. This is why it's important, you know, we pray, the, the reason why we pray the scripture is because we know the one who spoke it. We know the one who spoke it. Like when, when you know, uh, uh, during the weekend we're praying for all of our needs, you know, the Bible says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's the word that we stand on. Well, who said it? It's God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so because he said that, the Bible says that his word does not return void to him. His word does not return void to him. Every promise that he speaks, it has to come to pass. And so that's why like all of us, either know someone or we've experienced some part of our life where we, we have a testimony of the goodness of God, the presence of God, the power of God becoming manifest in, in a situation because we spoke the word of God. We stood on the authority of the name of God. He said, he told Moses, I am 
who I am. I am who I am. Check this out. The Lord gave himself the personal name, I am who I am. It's a Hebrew phrase that indicates action. And so from this phrase, we get the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah, kind of the same thing. God was saying to Moses, I want to be known as the God who is present and active. The name Yahweh reflects the promises, the promise of God's constant presence with his people. And it expresses his faithful love and care and his desire to bring people into a right relationship with him. And this relates to the basic covenant promise to be your God. God is saying, God is saying, this is who I want to be known as. This is who I want to be known as. I'm revealing myself as Yahweh. Why? Because my name, wherever my name is, there's a promise with it. There's a promise with it. Anytime you see a promise spoken, there's a name of God attached to that promise somewhere. There's a name of God attached to that promise somewhere. For example, Elohim, revealed in Genesis 1.1. It's revealed at the beginning of creation. It speaks of God's greatness and power and majesty. Him being the strong one and the creator. Well, what's the promise? Well, God is saying he's creating. He's speaking life. And so the spoken word, Elohim, is backing that up, right? Y'all, you, got, you guys are getting this? It's, it's that representation. El Shaddai in Genesis 17.1. It was revealed to Abram, who was promised to become the father of many nations. It's also revealed to Isaac and Jacob. El Shaddai means God Almighty, the most powerful God. And when God is having this discourse with Moses, he says, hey, um, you know, when the Bible says, you know, I'm the, father, I'm the God of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God is telling Moses, this is how I chose to reveal myself to the forefathers, but now I'm revealing myself as Yahweh. I'm revealing myself as Yahweh. And what Yahweh means, Yahweh means the Lord. It's the Lord. Jehovah, the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, is the proper name of the one true God. It means self-existent, eternal one, the existing one, the supreme God. God is like, all right, I'm going to make me a grand entrance right here. Like, this is, like, anybody like to be called a specific name? You know, some of us got nicknames. You know, we want to be called um, um, Pookie, you know. Or we want to be called, uh, (laughs) so many nicknames we like to be called by, Right? But there's an official name that we all have. There's an official name. It's like, all right, like if, if, I, if you want to know that I'm serious, like this is my official name. Like kids, you know, like when you get in trouble, your mama calls your name. First, middle, last name, you know you're in trouble. All right? <laughs> all right? So God is saying, I am the supreme God, the self-existent God, the eternal one, the existing one, the supreme one, the God of all creation. This is who God is, this is how God is revealing himself to Moses because there's a promise behind it. There's a promise behind it. The Lord is saying, hey, I want to set my people free, all right? Egypt is under this dominion, of, this demonic um, um, dominion of, of Pharaoh, the Egyptian gods. He was so stubborn. He was so prideful. And in that time, like, Egypt was, like, the, Egypt was it. Egypt was the power. Pharaoh was the dude. Like, you cross Pharaoh, you're going to die, you know? 
And we know why, because, you know, they were, you know, pastors been in this series of prayer and it has been exposing how witchcraft is, is, is always a part of every worldly power, every worldly, worldly dominion. Well, you know, when Moses goes up to Pharaoh and he says, the Lord says, let my people go, right? And he puts the, the stick on the ground and it turns into a snake. And Pharaoh's like, ha ha, he brings out his own uh, um, sorcerers, witchcraft doctors, and they do the same thing. It was a reputation that Egypt carried. Well, God is saying, okay, let me establish myself as the supreme authority. So that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. Some of you this morning, you need to know that you know, that you know, that God is the supreme authority. It doesn't matter what other force you're fighting with, that God is the supreme authority. So Yahweh, Jehovah, they're synonymous. This, you know, we sang earlier, um, we're singing um, Jehovah Jireh. This is what it means. Let's, let's, let's break this down a little bit further. Jehovah Jireh, the supreme God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the Lord who fights for us, the supreme God who fights for us. Jehovah Rapha, the supreme God, the eternal one, the self-existing one who is our healer. You guys getting this? The supreme God is like the ultimate God who provides. The ultimate God who fights for us. The ultimate God who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the ultimate God who is our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the ultimate God, the Lord who is our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present, who is with us. Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd. His name, he establishes his name because he wants to be present and active among his people. Israel was not experiencing a present and active God, at least from their perspective. To them, they're like, okay, like, I'm, we're calling on God. It's been 400 years. Where is he? And God comes on the scene and he says, all right, I'm going to reveal myself as the supreme, present, and active God. We should desire for God to be present and active in our life. Not only, we should desire it, you know why? Because God wants to be present and active. God doesn't want to be distant to you. He doesn't want you to be distant from him. God wants to be active in your life. But you have to make the choice to allow him. Imagine, imagine if Moses, after having this encounter with God and God reveals his majesty and his glory and reveals the power of his name and Moses says, see you later. But that's what we do. That's what we do. It's like God shows you over and over again his goodness. He shows you over and over again his faithfulness. But then it's like we choose to walk away. We choose not to believe. We choose to doubt and discredit God. The Bible says that God's word is alive and active. Hebrews 4, 12, 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He is active. His word is active. His word is active. It's active in our life. Why? Because it's pointing to his authority. It's pointing to who he is. It's pointing to who he is. When he said, I am who I am, he said that his name would be forever. His name would be everlasting. And this is, this is where I'm like, all right, this is so cool. You know, God, you exalted your name and your word. Like, what's the significance? What's the significance between this? You know, the Bible says that before creation, God had this perfect plan, had this perfect plan. And he reveals it. Let's, let's, let's dive into it right here. It's significant that when Jesus was born, he was called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So Jesus is born, it means God is with us. God is present. The Bible says that his word is active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Jesus is present, his word is active. Well, what, are the, what does the Bible say about Jesus? In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's, um, the Passion Translation says it like this, in the beginning, the living expression was already, was already there, and the living expression was with God, yet fully God. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. We gaze upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of God exalting his name and his word above all things. I find it very interesting. It says, um, the Passion Translation says, a living expression. An expression, the, the, the definition of what expression means is the, the means or the way that you, you want to communicate something. And for all of us here, the vehicle that we use to communicate is with what? Our words. Our word is the spoken word. That's how we express ourselves. So God is saying, not only am I establishing my name, I am the supreme God, but I have to express it. I'm expressing it in a way. This is my word, right? And so the Bible says the living word, the word became flesh. Jesus, the full expression of God became flesh. The full representation of God, not only representing the name of God, the character of God, the presence of God, but actually the spoken word, the spoken word of God, the life of God. He is the fulfillment of God's word, his promises. That's another, that's another way that we can define word. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. This is why, and I was talking with the worship team a couple weeks back. This is why it's so important. We don't really understand how powerful biblical worship is. Because we are taking the written word of God. And we are expressing 
the word of God, which is then pointing to the supremacy, the authority, the power of God. That's why like, when, when, when we come into this house, when we come into this room, and we begin to worship and we begin to pray, when, like, when you're praying the scriptures, when you're singing the scriptures, there's something that breaks. There's something that shatters. There's, some, there's something It's like whatever is holding you has to let go because it's the expression of God. It's the authority of God making a decree that has to come to pass. That's why we cannot take lightly the word of God. We can't take for granted or we can't just, just, just dismiss as if it has no effect because that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. He wants you to think that when you speak the word of God, when you sing the word of God, that there's no power. That's a lie. Jesus is the full expression of God. In Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I love the Passion Translation, how it, how it broke this down. It said, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, every realm of government, principality and authority. It all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. Why is that significant? because we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. We have an enemy who is prideful, the most prideful of all. And usually somebody who is so prideful, they're so stubborn, you can't change their mind. They're not gonna listen. And so you have someone who is filled with so much rage and pride and his target is you and I who believe in Jesus. You and I who call on the name of the Lord. Well, the Bible is saying because the expression, the living expression, the living expression of God, the one who was given the name above every name, the word of God, he is the supreme authority. He is the one who holds all power. He is the one in which the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God dwells. And every power, every authority, every governing body, whatever it is, is subject to him. That's why when we speak the name of Jesus, the enemy has to bow down. Has to bow down. The devil doesn't want you to use the name of Jesus. He doesn't want you to speak the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus encapsulates all the names of God revealed in the Old Testament. All the names of God. You know, they, 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 they would look to God for a, as a provider. They would look to God as a healer. And so in whatever situation they were in, they were calling on that particular name. Well, now we don't have to go through that. We can call on one name. We can call on one name. You guys ever realize, like, you ever have dreams, like you're being chased? 
or it's like, um, um, I used to have these dreams a lot where I'm getting attacked or um, um, sleep paralysis. Some people think that it's like a you know, medical thing. I believe it's demonic. Because my experience with sleep paralysis is, is I, would, I would remember, and, I, and especially in college, I used to struggle with this a lot. It was I would be awake and like my body is paralyzed and I can't move, but I feel something on top of me, like pinning me down. And every single time, every single time in those moments, my first thought is to call on the name of Jesus. I don't know why, but there's a reason. Like, why is it that I'm calling on the name of Jesus? But this is the thing. It's like every time, every time I would try to do that, it's like something began to choke me. And I couldn't even speak. I couldn't speak. I couldn't call on Jesus. And it's like I had to struggle. I had to fight just to say the name of Jesus. Why? Because, and this is, it happens. Every time I uttered the name of Jesus, whatever that was pinning me down left. It had to submit to the authority of the name of Jesus. Because it knows. It knows. Some of you, you're questioning, like you're questioning so many things that are happening to you, and you're trying to, you're trying to reason in your mind, like, okay, this is like, this is, this is not, this is not, this is, I can deal with this on my own. You need to begin to speak the name of Jesus. You need to begin to call on the name of Jesus. You need, you need to begin to cry on the name of Jesus. Sometimes you don't have anything else to do, or sometimes you don't know anything else to say. You don't know anything else to say. Most of you know. Um, I like to be vulnerable and transparent, so I'm just, I, like, I like doing that. Most of you know um, I just went through a divorce. And so I remember one time I came here, like I was just so broken. I don't know what to do. I got off work and I came into the church, and all I did for like, like in one hour, I just screamed, and I was just screaming the name of Jesus because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. I was like, Jesus! Literally, I was pacing back and forth because I'm like, all right, Lord, I have nothing else to pray, but I know if I call upon your name, if I call upon your name, if I call on you, God, you promise that you're going to respond. The fullness of God, the fullness of God is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when I call him, whatever I need is available. Some of you need to go home today and begin to call on the name of Jesus. Some of you just might need to scream the name of Jesus for an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your situation needs. Some of you, you know, when you're praying over your child who's run away from God, it's just Jesus. 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 Some of you looking at that bill right now, you don't know how you're going to pay it. Jesus. 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 There's a song um, 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 in... in uh, I want to say it's in English too. I don't know. But, you know, I grew up, um, I'm Haitian. Y'all know this. And so growing up in church, there's a song that says, um, I'm singing in Creole. Jésus, Jésus. That's how we say Jesus in Creole. Jésus. And it says, Jesus. That's how we're singing. Jesus, Jesus. Right? We're calling on the name of Jesus because that's the only thing that we know to do. Jesus is the name above every name. Jesus is the one who can set me free. Jesus is the one who can change my situation. For he is the complete fullness, Colossians 2, 9, 10. He is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority of the universe. He is the name above every name, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth. On heaven, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. For those of you who don't really know what that means, in heaven, all the angelic beings. All the thrones, dominions, all, you know, all, the, all the angels, the seraphim, flying around God's throne. At the name of Jesus, their knee has to bow. On earth, that means all of us human beings. Even the animals, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Under the earth, what does that mean? The demonic realm. At the name of Jesus. Doesn't matter what name it is. Doesn't matter if it's Jezebel. Doesn't matter if it's Python. Doesn't matter who it is. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. That's why we're a church, that we magnify the name of Jesus. We're not afraid to talk about the name of Jesus. That's the name that we preach. That's the name that we declare. That's the name that we, that we lift up. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. God's promises do not die, but our expectations of them do. That's why some of y'all struggle to call on the name of Jesus. Because you don't believe that whatever promise God spoke, he can make it come to pass. You don't believe that his word says that by his stripes I'm healed. You don't believe that. And so because nothing happens in your little time frame, how, when you think things are supposed to happen, you refuse to call on the name of Jesus. His promises don't die. His promises don't die. And his name, his name backs his promises. That's why we pray the scripture every week, every Sunday. That's why we're always praying the scripture is because we know, Lord, you spoke it. And because we're calling on the name of Jesus, it's the name of Jesus, it's the name of Jesus. Lord, you have to, whatever you said has to come to pass. Why? God is not a liar. God is not a liar. God does not contradict himself. And so to close out, you guys can stand up. We're going to close this out. We're going we're gonna to practice praying in just a second. Psalms 138, I want to I go back to this in a different version. It says, um, in the New Living Translation, it says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. And so this morning, I believe God wants us to, to have an understanding of the full weight when we call on the name of Jesus, the full weight, when we, when we declare his promises, when we stand on his word, like when God gives you a scripture in your heart to begin to pray, there's a reason God is wanting you to stand on the promise, and that promise is going to be fulfilled because of Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen and who? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray three scriptures. Because there's something when we exalt the name of Jesus. There's something when we magnify the name of Jesus. There's something when we speak the name of Jesus. When we speak the name of Jesus. 
God is revealing, it's like he's, he, he revealed himself to Moses. He said, I am that I am. I am, I am the full expression. I am the eternal one. I am the supreme God. And so every time Moses, Moses came up to a situation, he called on the name of God, how the Lord revealed himself to him. Lord, you are the supreme God. I'm up against this Red Sea. Lord, you are the supreme God. I need you to move in the situation. When they went into battle with the Amalekites, Lord, you are the supreme God, the existing eternal one. Lord, I need you to move in this situation. And so Moses, Moses knew the reputation of God. He understood the reputation of God because he began to see, okay, every time I call on the name of the Lord, the, the, when the Lord revealed himself to me, now I call on this God who reveals himself to me, and he moves in my situation. He's parting red seas. He's slaying, he's slaying armies before me that are my enemies. And so now, because Jesus is highly exalted, Jesus is highly exalted. It says every knee on heaven, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth has to bow to him. There's another place, and I believe it's in um, Ephesians. It says all of the rulers and authority, all of the rulers and powers, principalities, they accept the authority of Jesus. Like when you accept an authority, you pretty much say, all right, like you got it. You know, it's like when, like, you know, if you ever watch wrestling, you got, you know, one guy, who's the, whoever's the strongest one, it's like the weaker one submits to the stronger one. And it's like, all right, I give up, I tap out. It's the same concept here. Jesus is the supreme authority. And so whatever faces him, whatever comes up against him has to tap out. It has to bow. 